Look at this lineup. We've got Israel, David, Tim, and George, four of the lowest-seeded panelists we could find anywhere. We've also got the upsets, the glory, the little guys, the favorites, the moments, the madness. What an incredible weekend of basketball. And speaking of unbelievable upsets, I'm Frank Isola filling in for Tony Reale. He's out searching for more black shirt and black pant combinations. You figured that, right? Let's do this, folks. There they are, 12, 13, 14, 15. No 16 seed. That's fine. I'm Princeton then. I'm Princeton. We're good. Can't be a school that you can't get into. Always remember that. Well, it's I okay. I got a mid-major host now today, everybody. 16 teams left and not exactly all the names you're expecting. Of course, everyone's bracket shredded like a Tony Reale vacation photo. Last time we're going to mention him. Two one seeds already gone. Two two seeds gone. Bama and Houston and UCLA. Texas still alive. But UConn, Creighton, Gonzaga, Miami, and the Michigan State. Tom Izzo's all looking feisty. All right, Tim. Who has played the best and impressed you the most through the first two rounds? Let me tell you, fake Tony, I am going to focus wow. solely on the West Regional <laughs> where the UConn Huskies are a four. They're playing like a one. And earlier in the year, they might have been a one. They had a little sinking spell in February. Then they finished strong. Ken Palm and all the rankings liked UConn a lot better than a four seed. They're going out to Vegas this week. Gonzaga-UCLA feels like a Final Four game because they both have veteran players who've played in Final Fours. And the other team there is Arkansas. You know, which just knocked off Kansas. But I think UConn is the team playing at the level that Houston and Alabama, the only two one seeds left, standing. They're all they're all even right now. David Dennis, what do you think of the first weekend? Well, Tony Fake Alley, here I'm going to go with <laughs> Alabama here, not just because of how they're playing, but because of how their bracket is broken for them. They don't have to worry about Arizona anymore. They don't have to worry about Baylor anymore. They have to play beat San Diego State and either Creighton or Princeton to get into the Final Four. So they are basically a lock in the Final Four, not just by how they're playing, but how the rest of their bracket has sort of fallen apart. And then they might play a Tennessee or something like that. But I think Alabama has a clear sail through at least this weekend. All right, Izzy, I know you're impressed with me, but what about the first four days of the tournament? Who impressed you? Always, Frank, uh, <laughs> sharp today. I like the bit of color in the uh, outfit. True. Look, um, I, I think it's hard to argue with Alabama's depth and their quality depth and say it's kind of come at you at waves like the best player couldn't even score in a game uh, because of a groin injury and they still win comfortably. But I'm going to sort of piggyback off of what Tim was saying earlier. Uh, UConn, maybe because uh, Miller couldn't be the player that he is, but Adama Sonogo has been the most yep. dominant force in this tournament over two games. He's been absolutely great. He's only missed nine of his 34 shots that he's taken. He's finding, whether it's in the post or whether that's sort of a drive game from the perimeter, if anybody, you know, uh, jumps out at his three point shot. He's been absolutely great, but he's not alone. Tristan Newton, who had a triple-double earlier in the year against a top-10 Marquette team, has been playing great so far in this tournament, and we've seen a lot of terrible shooting in this tournament. Uh, UConn's been great from three. Jordan Hawkins might have the prettiest jumper in the tournament, and so I think right now they have a great fit, a great balance of players. If they keep playing like this, they should be in the Final Four. George Sedano, what do you think? Uh, Frank, I'm going to go with the University of Miami. Jim Laranega in March is must-see television. You look at his history with George Mason, and then obviously now here at the University of Miami, fourth Sweet 16 for Jim Laranega. That's more than Florida. That's more than Florida State. So you got to give him credit for that. And here's the thing. 
there he's built something at a program where they disbanded basketball from 1971 to 1985. Leonard Hamilton built the foundation to that, but he has taken it to a different level and a different stratosphere, and they are a legit contender the last couple of years. And a New Yorker down at Miami. That would be Jim Laranega, so you get more points. Went to Malloy High School in Queens. Tim, you got the last word. Yeah, I barely mentioned Gonzaga. Did everybody see Timmy time last night? Did you see what happened there? This might be the year since nobody's really counting on him. That team finally gets it all done. Gonzaga, not Gonzaga. All right, let's talk about the upsets. Our second ever one seed on the men's side going down in the first round. New Jersey's own fairly Dickinson beating Purdue was awesome and almost made us forget that the 15 seed Princeton and Arizona the day before and UVA's meltdown to Furman from day one. But let's talk about Fairleigh Dickinson first. George, was this a bigger upset than UMBC five years ago? And is it the biggest upset ever in the tournament? Frank, we may be splitting hairs here a little bit, but I would say no to that. Uh, I think Fairleigh Dickinson did a great job. They were in that game. Uh, obviously, the big difference to me is that when you look at that Virginia team, they were 31-2 and heading into that game. And, yes, I know DeAndre Hunter was hurt. He busted his wrist and didn't play in that game. But that Virginia team was allowing 53 points a game, and UMBC, Ryan Odom's team, scored 53 points in the second half alone. So I'm going to go – with UMBC still, and they were the first to do it. So I think the, that, that, to me, just the surprise of it all is a bigger factor. Tim, what do you think? You know, I, I got to agree with George. You got to go back to five years ago. When it hadn't happened, a lot of us thought, and the teams playing had to think, maybe this is never going to happen. Maybe a 16's never going to beat a one. Once it happened, and by the way, they won by 20 points, so they didn't just sneak by Virginia yeah. that night. They kind of crushed them. Uh, Once that happened, it kind of opened the door like this can happen again. Purdue has already shown a track record losing as a high seed and and getting off the terrible starts and quick eliminations. So I didn't think this was nearly as surprising as five years ago. Last year was St. Peter's that they lost to this year. Purdue losing to another Jersey school. David Dennis, is it as simple as maybe the top seeds aren't as good as they once were and the bottom seeds aren't as weak as they once were? I would say that, but this Fairleigh Dickinson team snuck into this tournament. They yep. got in the tournament on a technicality. They lost their, uh, you know, their conference tournament and just got in. And if you look at the size difference, this was a terrible mismatch. But to your point, I think the the upset that's bigger is Duke losing to Lehigh. I know it's a 15-2, not a 16-1, but this is Duke. This is Coach K Duke with with NBA players on there, with Austin Rivers, with Seth Curry, with the Plumleys, uh, you know, dynastic type of Duke squad. And this had only happened, this is only the second time that this had happened. So I think Duke, Lehigh is a bigger upset. What's the biggest upset, Izzy? Yeah, I think it was Virginia, and I think it's, it's more about feel, right? Because we can look at the numbers and say who what the actual biggest upset was. But, you know, it, the, the UMBC team was kind of a new team. It was only their second tournament. There were the adorable, like, retrievers. Like, they were golden retrievers, for crying out loud. They weren't the team that's coming out to get the big dogs, if you will. And, and they won that game. And this one, Fairleigh Dickinson, they've been to the tournament, what, six other times. Heck, in 1985, they, I think, only lost by four points to a one seed in Michigan. So I know all that stuff doesn't carry over, but... 
in terms of what they feel like, it feels like a, a veteran team in the NCAA tournament because they've been either 15 or 16 for five or six years. They know what to do in that situation, and they ended up winning. And the closer we get to, you know, these players uh, going straight from high school to the pros again, the more parity we're going to get, the more chances we're going to get of these 16 upsets happening more often. So I think the first one is always going to feel like the bigger George, one. what about Purdue? Back-to-back years to them. How do they pick up the pieces from something like that? You know, Frank, I don't know how they pick up those pieces. And, and look, I do want to give Fairley Dickinson, uh, obviously, their due credit because I feel like we're all picking UMBC. Uh, they deserve to get acknowledged here. And also, shout out to their SID, who's still a junior. Okay, still a junior there. That kid's going to have the pick of the litter of any job he wants as a, as a p- PR guy in professional or college sports. They even sports. have their own band. Yeah, all right. Let's move on now. We've been horned in round two. More Blue Bloods went down. Tennessee over Duke. Kansas State over Kentucky, and Kansas stymied by Arkansas. Do you think Eric Musselman has put his shirt back on yet? That's like a Tony Reale thing. You know he's doing that just about now. Feels like the tournament upsets keep growing. And this year, without the Blue Buds around, Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, UNC, does that make it better or worse? David, what do you think about that? Oh, as somebody who's on a show that is... David Dennis, go ahead. As, as somebody on the show that I'm hoping is going to be a little bit better without our, you know, dynastic <laughs> host, Tony Reale, I think that, you, you know, it's fine not to have these teams on here. Like, one half the reason that you want these Blue Blood teams on, in these tournaments is to root against them, and they haven't been good enough to root against. So, you know, there's no point in mourning the fact that they're not here. We still have great players. There's great fan bases. It'll be fine without these squads. Izzy? I was at a flag football game on Sunday morning, and I was just listening to a conversation from a couple of guys, and this was the entire conversation, okay? It went, hey, you've been watching that tournament. It's been so good, huh? And the other person said, yeah, so many upsets. End of conversation. (laughs) There was no detail. There was not a single player mentioned. There's not a single school. And it's just, when I watch these games, yes, I would love a Duke, you know, all these other schools to be there, but it was always for the players that we watch. It wasn't just for the uniforms, because it's not only like the Seinfeld bit where you're just uh, cheering for jerseys here, cheering for laundry. You're just cheering for the little number right next to their name. Like in most of these games, if you flip-flop them at halftime, most people wouldn't even notice. You're just cheering for the the underdog based on the rankings right here. So without the big-name players, Players, the big-time performers, you're watching a lot of bad basketball, sort of watching through, you know, your covered eyes and saying, hey, I hope it ends well, because it's not just a lot of fun basketball right now. George, is it good for the tournament as we get to the Sweet 16 that a lot of these big names are gone? Well, I think it's great for the sport because eventually you have to build other teams. Like, I think parity is good for sports. You have 11 different conferences represented in these 16, in the Sweet 16. So I think it's good there. I don't know how good it's going to be for TV ratings, though, Frank, because historically when we get to the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight and you have these teams that are lesser known, these mid-major teams, it's been really bad for ratings for the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, and Final Four, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Tim, since George is all for parity, let me make sure I get your score up. Now go ahead. Now everybody's just about even. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, let me, let, you know, I think if Duke or Carolina, uh, you know, Kentucky were playing, that might get better ratings for an individual game. But it doesn't, it doesn't really feel like anything's missing to me. People know Alabama and Houston are really good. People know Gonzaga and UCLA have been there before. And I like what Jerome Tang, the Kansas State coach, said after beating Kentucky. Those old dudes who played for Kentucky aren't coming. We had more dudes out there today than they did. That's what it's all about. Come on, come on, David. Be honest. You went to school in North Carolina. 
You wanted to spend this weekend rooting against Duke in North Carolina, right? Oh, yeah, but I've spent all season rooting against them, and it's been great. North Carolina went from the uh, top team vote in preseason, and they're not even there. It's been an extended amount of celebration. We don't need March for that. Come on now. <laughs> all right, FDU, they may, they may be out of the tournament, but how about the story with Jordan Sarnoff? He's a student, a junior, and he serves as the school's director of athletic media relations. And guess what? I tried to get him on radio this morning. He already blew me off for an interview. So he's got a, uh, a very bright future. <laughs> Fire sell next. We're done. What's up, kiddos? I'm Clinton Yates of Around the Horn. Whenever I go to cover games or attend events in Los Angeles, I'm always keeping my eye out for the best-dressed person in the room. I saw Diego Luna at the Andor Red Carpet launch event, Star Wars, folks, and he looked head of state fresh. Now you can also be that person, too, whether you're sitting courtside, attending a fancy dinner, or going to a wedding. With a fully custom suit from Indochino, you'll walk into wedding season looking like a million bucks for way, way less. They start at just $4.99. With Indochino, you can design the suit of your dreams and fine-tune every detail, including lapels, linings, monograms, pocket flaps, etc. A tailored fit from home. Set up your measurement profile on Indochino's website and choose customizations without even leaving the house. Look your best this wedding season at the table or on the dance floor when you wear Indochino. Go to Indochino.com today and use code HORN to get 10% off any purchase of $3.99 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code HORN. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guarantee Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to Around the Horn, coming to you from the seaport. Brought to you by Grey Goose. Team USA in the World Baseball Classic Finals after dismantling Cuba 14-2 Sunday night. Trey Turner. Batting ninth in this loaded, meaty U.S. lineup with four home runs in the tournament, including a go-ahead grand slam in the eighth inning Saturday night against Venezuela, and then two more last night. The U.S. faces the winner of tonight's Mexico-Japan game. How about Mexico? They're the story of the tournament. George, what are you buying? What are you selling? Frank, I'm buying all of it. I'm buying the resiliency of both those teams last night. If you remember, Team USA and Cuba both struggled early on in this tournament. The softball lineup that is Team USA. Although, you know, this Cuba team is not the best Cuba team we could have seen. They didn't send their best players because they didn't want uh, defections, particularly in Miami, I think for political reasons, uh, you know, particularly because it was in Miami. But I would be careful with Team USA with their softball lineup. They may face Julio Urias or Shohei Otani potentially in the final. It could be fascinating to see how that develops. Information. Tim, what do you think? I didn't think we could see a better batting order than the, uh, the Dominicans had. But when you when the USA could start with Betts, Trout, Goldschmidt, Arenado, that just sounds like a list of MVP winners and finalists from the last 
10 years, and Kyle Schwarber's hitting seventh. They're, they're loaded, and they're capable of winning it all. David Dennis? Yeah, I'm also buying these bats from Team USA. 23 runs in the last, you know, two days, which is incredible, you know, scoring right there. But what I'm buying the most is get Japan into that final because I want to see Otani versus Trout, which is something that I hope we actually get to see in one of these regular <laughs> seasons when one or both of these men are freed from their situations. Give us a taste of that coming yeah, up. Nothing against Mexico. I feel like we're all kind of rooting for a little Japan-USA in the final. Izzy. Well, I'm buying Miami getting through that game because there's like, a, as George mentioned, there's extra political tension whenever you've got Cuba playing a game uh, in Miami. And there was some moments there, but they got through it very well. That lineup is ridiculous. Adam Wainwright saying he has to pinch himself. Imagine being a starting pitcher with that lineup behind you. Like, you feel like you can't lose. You got to be on top of your game because why would you feel any pressure? All right. Now to the injuries that have marred an otherwise joyful, passionate World Baseball Classic. First, the devastating injury to Edwin Diaz, rupturing the patella tendon in his right knee while celebrating Puerto Rico's win over the Dominican Republic. Met fans are not happy. He'll likely miss the season. Then there's Jose Altuve, fracturing his thumb on Saturday night when he was hit by a pitch from Daniel Bard. Jeff Passens reporting that he's expected to miss at least two months. Tim, what do you buy? What do you sell from the World Baseball Classic injuries? I mean, those are two very tough injuries for those teams. Obviously, Altuve could get hit in an at-bat at spring training, but Edwin Diaz wouldn't get hurt celebrating a Mets win in, in March in Port St. Lucie. I don't know how many guys have to get hurt at celebrations. We've seen guys injured at home plate, and, and, and everybody keeps doing it. At some point, they're going to have to recognize we can't go overboard with this stuff. It's, it's a, it's a you know, devastating injury for the Mets. Tim doesn't want to celebrate. We'll take a couple of points away. Maybe he doesn't celebrate, celebrate a win. David Dennis, what about the injuries at the World Baseball Classic? These are fluky injuries. That, that, that yes. celebration, I celebrate like that when I finish doing the dishes. Like, you can injure yourself at any moment doing something like that. That's not a, a big deal. If we start to see wear and tear injuries coming out of this, which I doubt they have because there's so many rules that prevent that from happening, then we can start taking players away. But these are fluky injuries that can happen anyway. Israel, we see it all the time in soccer and basketball, club and country. Paul George got hurt playing for the national team. Gabriel Jesus of Arsenal got hurt this year at the World Cup, had to miss a couple of months. What about this? The fluky ones are the worst argument against keeping players against it. Yeah. If it were wear and tear injuries, if Paul George had had that injury late in the season or in the postseason instead of at the beginning when that happened, then yeah, I think you could have an argument for it. But for this, no. And like to, to get mad because one of your players was so happy during a, you know, basically baseball preseason and he got injured as a result, A, that's probably just proof that he probably would have got injured somewhere else. But you can't really get mad because he was celebrating your sport. All right, George, the Met fans and Astros fans have a reason to be upset. I mean, I guess if they want to, but these things can happen anywhere. The Dodgers are one of the best teams in baseball. Their starting shortstop, Gavin Lux, hurt himself the first week of spring yeah. training. He's out for the season go. with a torn knee. So these things can happen anywhere. And ultimately, if you're Major League Baseball, these players playing in the WBC care. They care in a big way. Mike Trout's out there telling people that he's played. He's feeling like he's playing in a bigger moment than he's ever played in Major League Baseball during his career. So the teams have to just relax. Well, he should start making the playoffs. That'll be... Uh... Uh, then it could experience a different kind of moment. All right, what a moment last night for Ole Miss taking down top-seeded Stanford. Iowa, Utah, Virginia Tech getting through some early scares. None for Dawn Staley in South Carolina who keep making it look easy. And tonight we'll see if Indiana and UConn 
can keep rolling. All right, David, who has impressed you the most so far in the women's NCAA tournament? It's Caitlin Clark, who is playing the best basketball of anyone in any tournament going on right now. Uh, last night, she was responsible for 31 of the 33 second half points her team had against Georgia. And her and Sonano uh, have this pick and roll that seems unstoppable. Give me Caitlin Clark, Iowa versus South Carolina at some point, please. Izzy, what about the women's tournament? Well, not everybody's made it through uh, both games as we speak, right? But LSU, Angel Reese has had 25 points, 24 rebounds, and six blocks. Not in both her games, just in the last one. That was an absolutely ridiculous stat line. She sort of lifted LSU, two easy, pretty, pretty much two easy wins in these first two rounds. Kim Mulkey back in the Sweet 16, got LSU back in there. I think Angel Reese has been spectacular. I was going to say, Kim Mulkey, she seems to know what she's doing. All right, George, what about the women's tournament? Frank, it's Ole Miss. They went on the road to Stanford, the number one seed in that particular region, and just destroyed them defensively. They were in their head the whole game. Stanford was 10 of 32 on layups. Think about how hard that is for someone to go 10 of 32 in a game like that. That Ole Miss deserves all the love. Tim, the women's tournament, who's impressed you? We always talked about who would replace UConn at the top of the women's game. It's going to be the entire SEC. South Carolina's got the best team. LSU's great. Uh, George just mentioned Mississippi. Georgia played great against Caitlin Kirk, Caitlin Clark. So the whole the whole league. Well, give me the entire conference. Tim and George, now you know what it feels like to be Duke and Arizona. First two eliminated. The first cut always the deepest. We got showdown next. These two guys. Surprise, surprise. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. It's showdown time. FAU's Elijah Martin getting a lot of heat with his showtime dunk attempt in the waning moments last night against Fairleigh Dickinson. Fair or foul, David? He might end up missing the dunk, too. What do you, what do you say? It's fair. Elijah Martin, we, don't, we have never said his name otherwise if not for him missing this dunk. Give it a shot. Have your moment to shine, even though it's a little embarrassing. Is he? I am nothing if not consistent. I said when Zion Williamson did it for his team that it was a good thing, even though this guy missed it. He's also from South Florida, so, you know, kudos to him for advancing to the Sweet 16. I've played media pickup games with Izzy. He is one of the biggest showboats around. Each guy take a point. Let's see what we got next. Breaking news. Rick Pitino to St. John's. Also, Ed Cooley to Georgetown. Both of them used to coach at Providence. Earlier today, Twitter abuzzed that Cooley's house was on the market, according to Zillow. 
In the past, we've tracked down private planes. So what's the better way to figure out coach movement, Izzy? Private planes or real estate? Definitely plane trackers. At least if you're hopping on a plane, you're serious about something. You go on Zillow, you go see a house, all these looky-loos, they might not be serious about buying that house. They're just wasting people's time. Plane tracker all the way. As, as a looky-loo myself, I'm going to go with the Zillow, the Redfin. You got to do your research and find the houses that you're not actually going to buy. You just want to walk around and take a look at you them. You know what? I actually broke a story following a private plane. So is he based on that and says I'm going to make it about me? You get the point. You get the FaceTime. Look, as much as I love what Brandi Chastain did for, uh, for celebrations when she celebrated by ripping off her shirt, I surprisingly am not a huge fan of what Eric Musselman did there. It's not just because he stood in front of a group of people and said, hey, what do they need? They want to see that I've been taking care of my health reasonably well lately. No, I think it's just because we don't want other coaches to start this trend. I don't need Andy Reid popping off his polo or Mike Budenholzer this, taking this off his This is a guy that is posed with Sorry. his shirt off. 23 and a half hour break. See you tomorrow.